0: Now, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu. Up everybody, welcome! It is another edition of Let's Talk Sports. Kanoa Leahy here, back in the PAXO Studios in Honolulu. Your part-time host uh, these days. Uh, I appreciate some of the uh, patience uh, out there with some of the scheduling conflicts that I've been uh, experiencing, kind of some like family stuff and things like that that have uh, been uh, needing to be attended to. Uh, and so, big appreciation to uh, all the peeps over here at ESPN Honolulu uh, from Josh Pacheco helping to work around that scheduling uh, issue, and also uh, all of the uh, guys who have been coming in to help fill in, whether it's Tanner uh, Hayworth or Dave Kawada, uh, whoever it may be, uh, big mahalos to them. But back here in studio, and not alone, thankfully, because uh, always stoked when this guy's able to swing through. uh, He is the uh, digital sports reporter for KHON2. Christian Shimabuku is in the house. Christian, how you doing, man?
1: Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, And, yeah, very happy to be here uh, overcoming some uh, Honolulu traffic. Oh, my goodness. A little... uh, little, shaky there, but uh, happy to be here. Yeah, it
0: kind of felt today. <laughs> I mean, driving around downtown is always a, a little bit of an endeavor, right? Because you have like one way streets, crossing mm-hmm. one way streets and it's very gridded uh, and that leads to some gridlock at times, but especially when they're doing some road work or working on power lines or whatever it may be. Uh, and so that was the case coming down Bishop Street and, uh, you know, they like have to merge four lanes into one kind of thing <laughs> and you have to do it within like 10 yards and it's like, well, that's going to create a bottleneck situation and that's exactly what happened but it kind of felt in the moment like am I in like downtown New York City or something like that (laughs) like that's kind of how it felt you had uh, horns honking that kind of thing Mm -hmm. but uh, we were able to make it and we were able to make it on time uh, even if we might be a little short of breath from uh, rushing down the hallway to get into the studio (laughs) but here we are 808-296-1420 is the number to call Uh, you can also text in at that number via the Zephyr insurance text line Uh, so there's a lot to get to I mean we had the NFL playoffs wrapping up uh, this last round here while card weekend uh, this uh, this past um, this past weekend and obviously yesterday with uh, a couple more games uh, I am going to be uh, definitely peacocking a little bit uh, with my Honolulu blue feathers <laughs> yeah. uh, about the uh, Detroit Lions and and that win first time in 32 years and that was pretty awesome uh, but there are some stuff uh, to get to on the local front as well uh, mm-hmm. and so I think we'll start maybe with the uh, Polynesian Bowl right Polynesian Bowl week is here uh, we were able to uh, get a little bit of the practice session. Um, in yesterday, and so uh, I think the teams and the players are up on the North Shore uh, checking out Polynesian Cultural Center. They practiced out at Kahuku, Uh, and so Uh, we were able to get a little bit of a taste of the kinds of talent that's going to be uh, coming through this game here in this iteration. Uh, And uh, they probably have, uh, and it sort of happens every year, right, where it just gets a little bit bigger, the the quality of players and the grouping of players and the number of five-star recruits gets a little bit more plentiful, uh, and certainly some of the storylines get more and more interesting. And this year they have a record number of five stars that are in this game. Right, this national high school all-star game, uh, which skews certainly towards also having strong representation from players of Polynesian ancestry. Uh, and what is usually the best case scenario is when they're able to double down, where you have a player who is a five-star or a really highly regarded prospect, uh, who is also of Polynesian descent. And they have that this year uh, in the guy who's coming in as the cock of the walk, so to speak. The number one quarterback recruit in Dylan Riola, the son of Dominic Raiola, longtime Detroit Lions center Uh, I wonder how he was feeling probably a mixed bag of emotions with the Lions winning but Matt Stafford being on the other side Mm. uh, since he was the center for Matt Stafford for so many years But you have Dylan Raiola, who uh, flipped a couple of times from Ohio State to Georgia, then to Nebraska, his father's alma mater. He's in town, and it just seems like it is as poetic a storyline as you could have conjured up because you have Dylan Raiola, who is playing in this game. Uh, His dad, Dominic, obviously from Hawaii. Um, He is uh, playing his last high school game here in the islands where his family is from, where he used to live. Uh, And it is also the Kamehameha Kapalama Campus uh, which is interesting because his mom is an alum. Uh, his mom and dad also got married at the chapel on the Kamehameha Kapalama campus. Uh, and so there's just all of these incredible storylines. It's like their 20-year anniversary this year. And so uh, it just worked out perfectly, I think, for Dylan Raiola uh, to end his prep career, so to speak, or play his final high school game here in the islands, in the Polynesian Bowl. And uh, he is going to have the spotlight on him going forward. I was kind of uh, sitting there. We were uh, interviewing him a little bit yesterday, and uh, I was just sitting there thinking, huh, this is a high schooler, right? This is like a teenager, right? <laughs> and I think he's probably already realizing more money than any of us uh, <laughs> yeah. will in maybe our lifetimes or combined. I mean, it's like I say that sort of in jest, but not really, because I think that probably might be the case. Um, and, and it's just a different world now when you're interviewing these guys who are on the precipice of uh, entering their college careers. But uh, what do you make of, of this year's Polynesian Bowl? And, and what are some of the storylines that stick out to you?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um... Well, first of all, it's um, you know getting to see Dylan Raylon in person, like you said, um, impressive, right? Yeah, he's a big kid, uh, big boned. Um, when you Look at, um, you know, his football development. He probably had the body to be an offensive lineman, uh, but instead he chooses to be, uh, you know, this big bone quarterback that has a lot of strength, but also a lot of finesse. Um, I think you saw it yesterday. Um, He's not just throwing bullets out there. He's layering some balls, Um, even though they're trying to, you know, install an offense in six days, which is a challenge (laughs) or five days. Um... Uh, But yeah, uh, really impressive stuff. And I think um, the other thing is just, um, you know, Polynesian representation in this bowl, which was the the biggest uh, goal in the first place. And now you're seeing it. um, This game started in 2017. Now you're starting to see a cycle of uh, Polynesian bowl players uh, make it in the NFL and make a huge impact as well. Uh, Puka Nakua, who had a big game, he was the Polynesian bowl MVP a few years ago. That's right. Um, AJ Epinesa um, was the MVP of the first game. And then now, uh, you know, seeing Dylan Rayola, it's like, I I have a feeling this guy's going to be, you know, making that type of impact in three or four years.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, Talanoa Hufanga is another uh, alum of this game, and the list goes on and on and on. He's obviously injured, but uh, I think the point is made that Mm -hmm. what is interesting about this game, as the history has become uh, more uh, enriched, right, Mm -hmm. over time, uh, it garners a greater reputation because you are seeing players within a matter of four to five years from this game starring in some cases, in the NFL. And so this is going to be no different, right? You have a collection of players this year who are going to be tomorrow's stars quite literally uh, at the college level. Uh, and in just a few years, you're going to see a bunch of these guys playing in the NFL. And that's uh, that's pretty mind boggling. And, and uh, you know, it's it's always an interesting reminder because sometimes, you know, you can get caught up with like, oh, it's a high school game. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's true. Uh, and and there is sort of a, a, a line and a balance that you need to find, I think, when it comes to like journalistic ethics and coverage of these guys. Uh, uh, but at the same time, you're like, uh, these guys are going to be suiting up in the NFL, a lot of them, in uh, just a few years. So uh, it's a really interesting, I think, experience from a media coverage standpoint, uh, and as well as the game itself, because it's now become so high profile. I mean, you can absolutely now, I, I think especially with some of the exposure that this game has gotten, uh, being the last couple of years, including this year on the NFL Network, um, you could put it up against any other high school uh, all-star football game that there is, right? It used to be sort of owned by the U.S. Army All-America mm-hmm. Bowl, and now you have a um, you know quite diverse array of different kinds of uh, high school all-star games that try to feature the best players, uh, and you could put this game up against any of them.
1: Yeah, I think in, in terms of um, experience, the, the experience of players get... Um, You know, it's really second to none. And there's a lot of players in this game that have played in multiple All-Star games, whether it be the Army American Bowl or the Under Armour American game. Uh, But this is the one where you get to stay in Hawaii for a week. And it kind of does replace that Pro Bowl Bowl experience that um, a lot of NFL players um, used to be able to have here, but now they don't have it anymore, um, which is a big bummer. But, you know, these are the kids that get to enjoy the islands now and get to play a game here. Um, They also have... uh, Pretty uh, awesome gear, um, yeah. Polynesian-inspired <laughs> gear that they all get to keep. Um, one of the bowl organizers was talking about how the Reddell helmets are... North of $800 uh, retail, but they get to keep those things. That's unreal. Even though they probably only use it for a week. Yeah. Um, the so, shoes, right? They yeah. Have these like Adidas. super cool
0: design Adidas shoes.
1: Yeah. And now Panini's involved the card company, so they get to have uh, their own card and whatnot. Yeah, unreal. Um, just Swag, man. So <laughs> yeah. So just the whole experience, I think, um, you know, it is the best bowl game for a lot of these players. And that's why you're seeing early enrollees um, fly all the way from their universities that they just enrolled in uh, coming all the way out here to play in this thing.
0: Yeah, no, really cool. So we mentioned Dylan Raiola. He's going to probably be the headliner <laughs> here for this game for all the reasons that we mentioned because of his connection to the islands as well as just his profile as you know one of the next big things for sure uh, in football. Uh, but it's interesting because he's on Team Mackay that's well, going to be coached by Mike Zimmer. You have <laughs> Marvin Lewis who is coaching the Team uh, Malka side. Uh, but the quarterback collection particularly on uh, Team Mackay uh, is interesting because you have Dylan Raiola, and then Micah Alejado, mm-hmm. right, who is now enrolled at the University of Hawaii. Uh, he is, you know, representing the future of Hawaii football at the quarterback position. Ty McCutcheon, Punahou standout, mm-hmm. uh, is the third QB on that team. Uh, and it's like, they kind of put more, you know, at least from our vantage point, right, from from the, the Hawaii, um, uh, through the Hawaii fan lens, they put the more compelling group yeah. of quarterbacks it seemed, all on this uh, team Makai squad. Uh, and it was interesting because they had yesterday a a, uh, throwing contest kind of uh, akin to what we used to see with the skills challenges mm-hmm. uh, Pro Bowl week uh, but they had the quarterbacks all six of them right three on each side uh, get together and they basically uh, had a contest of who could throw the ball the farthest collectively as a squad right they added all of their distances together and the team uh, that had the most uh, accumulated would win uh, and then it was interesting because you had uh, Dylan Raiola who stepped up and looked like he barely crow hop you know most of these guys will take yeah. this like run up uh, <laughs> almost like uh, as if they're throwing a javelin or something uh, he's sort sort of very coolly, calmly, nonchalantly just kind of did like a little uh, stutter step um, that was uh, almost like slow motion. And then he just gunned it like 73 yards in the air, which is ridiculous. Um, And obviously, it's not all about uh, arm strength in this day and age of football. It's more about accuracy than anything else. That said, uh, it was impressive. And it looked like he had more to give if he really wanted to. Uh, Mike Alejado, uh, he stepped up. He threw it about 63 yards, I Mm -hmm. think, both times. They they each had... uh, two shots at it uh, and his first one went 63 yards and it was kind of on a line like mm-hmm. it was a low arching one more of like a, a laser beam type of shot uh, and then Ty McCutcheon was able to break uh, 60 yards as well um, but that was kind of impressive and, and started to see uh, these different storylines like uh, Dylan Raiola as well as Mike Alejado because obviously there's a lot of expectation that's coming along with this guy uh, that was pretty cool to see again on a field in Hawaii at the Kamehameha Kapalama campus
1: yeah, for sure, uh, especially Don Riola. Um, yeah, like you said, um, he didn't really um, have much of a build to that throw, but he just uncorked that thing, and the ball explodes out of his hands. But I think, um, you know, a really cool thing as well is just it's just another reminder of how talented these players are, you know, especially if, uh, you know, some UH fans become critical of, you know, Mike Alahado early in his career. It's like this guy can just roll out of bed and throw a 65-yard bomb uh, without much effort, you um, can you do that? Like, I don't
0: think so. <laughs> we were thinking, like, how far could, like, if, if they just, like, called upon one of us and challenged us to, like, step in there, right? Like, yeah. we hadn't stretched. We're standing on the side. I'm at the age now where if I'm just, like, standing for too long, my lower back starts to get sore, right? So it's like, all right, what if they called upon us to try to throw the football? How far realistically do you think you could throw it in the air?
1: Well, I'd throw my back out for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, that yeah. would definitely be one of the things thrown aside from uh, the football itself is your back. I'm, I'm like, maybe four. 30 yards maybe (laughs) that's probably ambitious that sounds ridiculous I don't know what would you say
1: yeah, well, I'm I'm really not sure. Um, yeah, that's a that's a tough one. Uh, <laughs> especially when we're you know we're not throwing balls every day and in yeah, yeah. practice like that. I'll so.
0: definitely throw my back out and tear my rotator cuff. That would be yeah. the uh, that would be the effect uh, of of that endeavor for sure. A um, couple of the other storylines here, roster wise. You mentioned Puka Nakua. His mm-hmm. brother is in mm-hmm. the game, also on Team Makai, uh, and they just got these guys who are. Enormous, just absolutely yeah. massive uh, human beings. Uh, there was a uh, Georgia-bound uh, offensive lineman, uh, Michael Uini, uh, who is just a mountain of a young man. Like, uh, he's, he's one of the guys, I think he's somewhere in like the six seven range, uh, over 300 pounds, and just like one of several huge dudes that just, it blows your mind to remember that these guys are fresh out of high school.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I think another storyline is, um, you know, how big family is um, in the Polynesian community. And so with that, you do have relatives of, you know, some pretty noble players. You mentioned Puka Nakua's brother. Um, on Team Malka, you have um, Isaac Wilson, uh, brother of Zach Wilson. Yeah. Um, their father is a Roosevelt grad. Um, you also have on uh, Team Malka, um, Tyree Alualu, the son of uh, Tyson Alualu, yeah. um, who didn't grow up here, at you know, as his father um you know, had a, embarked on his own NFL career and kind of followed him there. Um, he's a senior out of a high school in Pennsylvania. Um, and then um, it's a thing that won't stop. Uh, Dylan Riola's little brother um, will probably be a Polynesian Bowl quarterback yeah, in a couple yeah, of years. Yeah, he's,
0: he's coming down the road, too. Uh, yeah,
1: and then, um, you know, one of last year's headliners, Nico um, ayama Leava his brother will probably be in next year's game. So it's just like a never-ending cycle. Yeah. These guys are set up for a long time.
0: Yeah, no, this uh, it's what makes it fun. I think that's what <laughs> makes this uh, this game uh, particularly fun. Also challenging because you have a lot of difficult names to deal with, uh, which is uh, something that the broadcasters have to keep in mind uh, when they go into this thing. 808-296-1420 uh, is the number to call. I got Christian Shimabuku from KHON2 Sports. Uh, he is in the house. We're talking Polynesian Bowl, but a whole lot of other things to get to because we got the NFL playoffs and some storylines that are now uh, – Uh, being put together here some upsets and some teams with high expectations that are now going to be watching as spectators here going forward we'll get into some of that when we come back you're listening to let's talk sports What's up? Welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the Paxo Studios in Honolulu. Christian Shimabuku of KHON2 Sports. Uh, He is the digital sports reporter over there. He's in studio uh, as well. Um, We are, um, we have been talking about the Polynesian Bowl and and, and talking about the game specifically. Obviously, this is also built around uh, the fact that uh, you have the Polynesian Football Hall of Fame and the honorees uh, this year uh, in that game and uh, and, the 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 dinner and and sort of the overall event that's kind of built around that uh and so yeah this is a a time of celebrating and and really focusing on uh the incredible accomplishments of uh, polynesian football players and sort of celebrating the long-time relationship uh between uh the game of football and uh, those of Polynesian ancestry. You have the 2024 Polynesian Football Hall of Fame class uh, going in. Domata Peko, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, (laughs) uh, Reno Mahe, so a lot of excitement that the uh, Rock is expected to be hanging around. And and You also have now a situation, and it's sort of a bittersweet thing for some of these guys, but uh, a situation where you're going to have a lot of the Polynesian stars in the NFL that we were mentioning. Uh, They might come back and check things out. Pukunakua, by virtue of the fact that the Rams uh, lost to the Lions. Uh, he's expected to possibly be uh, hanging around with his brother Tay uh, in the game. Um, you were, you know, that was going to be one of those situations where you had Pene Sewell, uh, the tackle for the Lions, who is also an alum of mm-hmm. the Polynesian Bowl. Like whoever uh, yeah. lost that game, it was likely that one of them was going to come down. And so that that's another interesting part. Like Troy Polamalu and all of these uh, really incredible, uh, you know, legendary figures. Uh, they are oftentimes uh, expected to make an appearance at the game. Make an appearance at the dinner, which uh, with the game being on Friday is now being held uh, on Saturday. And so uh, it's just kind of an overall celebration and always like a good vibe type of week.
1: Yeah, for sure. And Panay Sewell, another player that, um, you know, I didn't mention, he's he's one of the best um, offensive tackles in the league as well. So yeah, anytime you get to honor, um, you know, the Polynesian community, um, you know, it's a great thing.
0: Yeah, so uh, we got a text here. 808 is the number. You can text that number via the Zephyr Insurance text line. Uh, since you're talking about the Poly Bowl, would you know... Uh, the Polynesian Hall of Fame event. Uh, do you know uh, whether or not uh, there is anybody we can contact uh, about the induction event on Saturday? I think the best thing is probably just go to the Polynesian Football Hall of Fame website, and mm-hmm. I'm sure that there will be some information there. Uh, this thing like is loaded and usually sold out pretty quickly, so I'm not exactly sure uh, how much access there's going to be, but uh, you can definitely check that out and get more information uh, that way. Uh, again, 808-296-1420, the number to call and text in at that number via the Zephyr Insurance text line. We mentioned seven Hawaii commits that are playing mm-hmm. in the Polynesian Bowl. Um, that's a pretty high number. Um, what do you think that looks like or, or, or what the perception of that can be from a University of Hawaii football vantage point?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great thing for, um, for UH. Um, you know, one thing that UH used to do back when Nick Rolovich um, was a Teds coach was, you know, they would utilize the Polynesian Bowl and, you know, try to see, who the top uncommitted players are, and if they're in UH's realm, you know, try and go get them. And, uh, you know, two clear examples of that was in 2019, um, Solo Vaipulu was uncommitted. Um, they got him and he became a, you know, their starting right guard uh, just a few months later. The next year, um, they took this slot receiver from Washington named Lincoln Victor. Mm. Um, and so I think this <laughs> year, um, even though there are seven UH commits in this game, you know, there are some people when you look at the list of, you know, who's on the list, uh, You know, UH has a chance to, you know, try and make their pitch all over again, even if it is a local kid. There's a kid from Mililani, um, Isaac Mahuka, um, who currently uh, isn't publicly committed anywhere. Um, UH does want him. So, you know, can those seven guys band together and, you know, try to pitch him throughout the week? You know, I think that could be an interesting um, thing to monitor.
0: Yeah, you know, you have some of that kind of presence as well in in like pretty high-level form. Uh, You had Matt Rule, who can't, I guess, uh, according to the the recruiting rules, uh, attend the game itself. uh, But you can kind of hang out on the periphery. Kamehameha actually had a workout specifically for some of its guys that they could attend. This was after the practice yesterday. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so you have these power programs that are (laughs) also just sort of like, you know, kind of hanging out. on the periphery, and they can't necessarily attend the game or the practices themselves, uh, but they can uh, watch from afar, and they can sort of be uh, visible uh, to some degree, and, and that was kind of interesting. You have Donovan Riola, the brother of Dominic Riola, yeah. who was uh, there, obviously, uh, with the uh, Nebraska staff, and uh, he was escorting uh, Matt Rule around the Meha campus, and uh, there uh, Dominic and Donovan's dad, Tony, was also kind of uh, hanging out on a golf court, and he's wearing uh-huh. his uh, golf cart he was wearing his Nebraska gear, right? Because obviously Dylan and um, yeah, it's just just kind of an interesting dynamic. It was uh, kind of unexpected walking out of practice and oh, there's Matt Rule just uh, sort of hanging out <laughs> by the parking lot. It was hilarious. Uh, again, <laughs> again, this thing, uh, this this game has has developed into something uh, that's pretty remarkably huge, uh, I think, uh, at this point. And you know that has always been part of the discussion as well here over the uh, you know half dozen or so years of this game's existence uh, and the fact that this event. Over Overall uh, highlights, uh, not just you know Polynesia in general, but certainly Hawaii because it is the host and sort of the perfect kind of uh, central point here to host uh, this event as well as the game itself uh, and what that can potentially mean for University of Hawaii football. We mentioned the seven commits that are in this game, uh, but I think just uh, the the sheer sort of presentation, right, and the look of it, and Hawaii being the stage and it being uh, associated with football and and high school football and high school football pro. And, uh, you know, just even if most of these guys are already committed to to programs, in some cases, brand name programs and uh, in in far reaches of the country, uh, it's still kind of interesting because it gives them a taste of what Hawaii could be playing football in Hawaii, just a little sample size. uh, And I think that that it, it definitely cannot hurt. The cause for University of Hawaii football from an imaging and branding and recruiting standpoint, you know, whether or not it helps to a discernible degree can be debated, but it definitely doesn't hurt. And I think that that's something that can be viewed as kind of a a feather in the cap for, for University of Hawaii, just by virtue of proximity.
1: Yeah, for sure, and you know that's uh, a that, that's a great point. Um, you know, Hawaii is the de facto college host of this uh, of this game. They're the only team that gets to say that you know they have a bowl game like this in their backyard. So um, you know, the more they can take advantage of it, the the better it is for them.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take uh, another break here a little early, and then we're going to leave ourselves a little more space to get into some of the general discussion because I do want to gloat a little bit about my Lions. <laughs> uh, I had no faith. Uh, anybody that was listening to the show knows I had no faith. I actually made a legitimate bet uh, with one of my good friends uh, that the Rams would win. <laughs> and I don't know if it's just me, like being the fatalist, and I'm trying to like outsmart karma and be like, oh, I'll just do the little reverse <laughs> psychology thing. Maybe that's part of it. Uh, but I really legitimately thought that. Uh, Puka Nakua was going to have like 32 catches for like 562 yards. He almost uh, did. He almost did. Yeah, <laughs> he got very close to that. Uh, but I, I, uh, I am happy that the Lions won, and it's because of what happened elsewhere in this weekend's playoff action uh, leaves a certain opportunity potentially for the Lions in front of them, being able to play on their home field. They're going to go up against Tampa Bay. Um, certainly not the scariest opponent that they could face. I mean, any team at this point has the potential to win. Uh, So, you know, nothing can be taken for granted, but if you were to have picked possible opponents at the beginning of the postseason uh, among the NFC contingent, you would have probably been like, that would be kind of cool if we could play Tampa Bay instead of Philly. Maybe at this stage, the way the Eagles plummeted, uh, that's no longer the case. But, you know, I think if if you're the Lions, you're probably feeling like, hey, this is a game we can win. Um, Whether or not that's going to happen, we'll see. But uh, I do want to talk a little bit more about that uh, when we come back. So I got Christian Shimabuku he's in the house KHON2 sports uh, reporter on the digital side Uh, try Domino's mix and match special download the Domino's app get any three items for just $7.99 each choose from pizzas pastas boneless chicken bites and more find the mix and match deals under the coupon section on the app Domino's Hawaii they deliver aloha so we'll get into that what the bleep happened to the Cowboys the Eagles all of that stuff uh, when we come back you're listening to let's talk sports What's up? Welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu. I got Christian Shimabuku, digital sports reporter for KHON2, in the house with me as well. Liz Stacy's working uh, the board and the phone lines. Uh, we are going to be giving away a pair of tickets for Rainbow Wahine basketball against Long Beach State Thursday. Hawaii playing Long Beach as well as UC San Diego this week in a pair of uh, Big West uh, matchups. Hawaii with just one loss uh, in conference play so far. They've looked really strong. A little bit of a slip. Uh, obviously this past Saturday on the road but uh, Long Beach State coming into the house always a competitive game, Hawaii Long Beach State, that's one of the Big West rivalries for sure we're giving away a pair of tickets for that game Uh, and we'll just do that here in the next break I hope I remember Liz, Uh, please try to remind me if uh, I'm going into the commercial break and haven't gotten to it yet Uh, we'll just do one of those like, you know, X caller uh, who gets in, gets the tickets so uh, we'll get to that here in just a little bit, 808-296-1420 is the number, that's going to be the number you'll call to get those tickets, you can also text in uh, via the Zephyr Insurance text line. Any questions or comments uh, here as uh, we continue to move forward on Let's Talk Sports? Uh, One texter Uh, just texted in. uh, One retirement would affect so many teams. Nick Saban, um, I guess just Mm -hmm. kind of inferring like the domino effect that occurred by the uh, retirement of Nick Saban. Uh, You have all of that shifting uh, with uh, Kalen DeBoer going to Alabama. Uh, You have fish from Arizona going to Washington. Uh, And it looks like the reports are that Arizona is now targeting Brent Brennan of San Jose state uh, to be there their next coach and this is sort of how it works right when you have a kingpin like Nick Saban stepping down uh, all of the college football coaches and agents and all of that stuff and it's no surprise that um, Nick Saban and Kalen DeBoer share the same agent and DeBoer ends up uh, getting the Alabama gig but yeah what that then initiates in terms of some of the collateral uh, impacts and movements Uh, and so now Brent Brennan likely on the verge of leaving the Mountain West Conference leaving San Jose State. Uh, and heading over to Arizona. What do you think about some of these uh, moves that have come in the wake of of the big Nick Saban announcement?
1: Yeah, um, I've never seen such a coaching cycle that's moved with, um, you know, so much speed and also, um, you know, so much of a um, (laughs) dog-eat-dog, like, process to it, right? You see Nick Saban uh, retire. Uh, Two days later, they poach uh, Kalen DeBoer from Washington that makes Washington in seventy-two or in forty-eight hours or thirty-six hours poach, the yeah. um, uh, jet fish from Arizona, yeah. and then now Arizona is um, you know getting another head coach from a smaller school. Yeah. So <laughs> where does it stop, right? Yeah. No, it, um, the, the dominoes go on forever, seemingly, right? Yeah, for sure. But um, you know you can't help but be happy for a guy like Brent Brennan, um, the cousin of the late Colt Brennan, mm-hmm. um, Brent Brennan himself, who was a graduate assistant at the University of Hawaii. You know, who sounded like he was the runner up the last time Arizona had an opening and they went with Jetfish instead. So I think this time Arizona just decided to go with Brent Brennan. It's pretty cool that you know now he's the head coach of a Big Twelve school. When uh, at San Jose State, he was fundraising uh, for the players to get breakfast, even. So just imagine the type of work he could do um, at a place like Arizona. You know, at a place that is um, you know moving into a a big conference. Uh,
0: Did you like the move uh, from the perspective of UW to bring Jeb Fish in? Uh, Obviously, some success at Arizona, uh, able to um, develop very quickly young quarterbacks uh, that could probably lead to some some much-needed transfers with all of the people that are leaving Washington. Uh, they're going to need some uh, some young talent, and they're going to need some to transfer in for sure. But did you like that fit with you dub fresh off of a national championship uh, appearance?
1: Yeah, um, I've had a lot of conversations with um, Honolulu Star Advertiser reporter <laughs> Billy Hole is a big Washington fan. Yeah,
0: Billy um, will be in here tomorrow.
1: Yeah, um, you know, I think um, from my perspective, my first call would have been offensive coordinator Ryan Grubb. Um, He was the mastermind behind that offense. And, um, you know, he was the guy that could pull all the guys back in from the portal. Um, And it kind of smacks up in 2020 when Nick Rolovich left the University of Hawaii. Hmm. And instead of trying to keep a a really good thing going, um, David Matlin didn't hire Craig Stutzman. Um, And imagine how far along UH would be right now um, with a guy like him. Um, But that's neither here nor there. But um, instead of continuing um, a piece of a national championship run, um, they're kind of starting over, which uh, seems odd to me because they just went 14 and 1. Yeah. And they still do have a lot of talent on the roster. Um, even though there are a lot of pieces that either graduated or have gone pro. Was
0: the DeBoer decision to leave, like, could that be categorized as kind of uh, pilau, so to speak, with the timing? Because I, it would have to, you have to be led to believe that there was some discussion prior to the national championship game uh, between DeBoer. Again, sharing the same agent as Nick Saban and the University of Alabama after Alabama suffered that loss. And there had to be some some knowledge as to what Nick Saban was leaning towards from a decision-making standpoint. Uh, and so you wonder, right? I mean, it, it, is, it, it is very similar on a much different scale, but very similar to what we can sort of uh, uh, apply to our memories of Hawaii's uh, appearance in the Sugar Bowl, right? <laughs> Fresh off yeah. of an undefeated regular season, they go to the Sugar Bowl, obviously a different kind of dynamic there and, uh, you know, suffering a whooping at the hands of, of Georgia, but like the immediate almost like collapse of everything we knew and felt good about in the moment within a matter of like days you know you go from the highest of highs like this is the apex this is the greatest achievement in the history of University of Hawaii football Colt Brandon, all these guys is so great how sweet it is uh, to you lose that game you lose June Jones who goes to SMU and you're uh, led to believe based on the timing of that 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 was also something that was probably in the works prior to the Sugar Bowl Um, and then you know leads to Greg McMacken uh, being hired and you know there were still some some days to enjoy uh, during Greg McMacken's time but uh, certainly it represented like a change in the direction of the program and makes you sit and think oh what could have been Uh, and so uh, to me there's so many similarities and parallels with that situation and what Hawaii experienced and so like was it cool you think for Kalen DeBoer to make this move you saw a lot of backlash Mm -hmm. from the UW players including uh, Fautui Tuitele who uh, effectively retired from football that was kind of interesting but (laughs) he made sure his opinions were known that he didn't like uh, Mm -hmm. what Kalen DeBoer did.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, there is a lot of speculation that Kalen DeBoer interviewed for Alabama um, in Houston before the national championship game. Um, I'm not sure if those um, rumors have been uh, verified. Mm -hmm. But if that's true, that's that's a pretty low move, um, especially when you have a game to plan for. Um, But again, we don't know if it's true just yet. Um, But... I think when you leave for another job, there's no easy way to do it, right? I'm trying to play both sides of this. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's tough. Um, yeah, you try to keep a good thing going, um, you know, try to build off of what you just did. But when a school like Alabama comes knocking where, you know, he, it, it did come out that Washington offered Kalen DeBoer $9 million a year. And so how much more can Ar- um, <laughs> Alabama pay, right? Yeah. Probably not that much more. But at a place like Alabama, it's one of those jobs where you can get anything you want, right? yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. So,
1: um that's that's tough.
0: Yeah, I mean you're like one of the most powerful people, not just in that university, but like in that state. <clears throat> like and, and really, you know, uh, by um association, uh, college football itself. Like you're one of the most powerful figures in college football, just because you are the head coach of the university of Alabama. So, yeah, you know, I thought that you dub, uh, so this was another thing, right? It was like, okay, June Jones leaves. What do you do? Right. And they tried mm-hmm. to, to keep the train moving a little mm-hmm. bit. And they went with uh, Greg McMacken cause he was on staff. There may have been wiser decisions to, uh, make at that time, but you know, hindsight's always 2020. Uh, but I was kind of thinking you dub under these circumstances, uh, you know needing a splash right mm-hmm. you just get whatever money you can accumulate whatever resources you can get from your booster support system and all of that and you go Pete Carroll can get him on the line. <laughs> Pete Carroll, how about a return to college football? You don't even have to fill out a change of address form. Uh, yeah. You just uh, you just put on the UW gear and you be our coach. And you hire all of your former Seattle assistants or players or whatever it is. You bring the Seahawks back together, in essence, in University of Washington Husky gear. Uh, and I thought that that would have been kind of a cool move, too.
1: Yeah, that would've been really cool, and you know he's a proven winner in the college game, and you can bring some of those guys back. Yeah, if a Reggie Bush wasn't welcome at USC, he would definitely be welcome at Washington. So, uh, that was a maybe a missed opportunity there. But I think another thing that's crazy is, um, you know, just recalling when Todd Graham went two and zero against Kalen DeBoer, and if someone told you that in two years. This guy that taught Graham just defeated <laughs> yeah. twice is yeah. gonna be the head coach at the University of Alabama. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I would have believed it. Would you? Yeah, that is crazy.
0: <laughs> you know, I never really thought about it that way. That yeah. is that is bananas, man. That is that is unreal. And yeah, and then another guy uh, that uh, has been on the other side, Brent Brennan, is gonna be uh, coaching in yeah. the Big Twelve. Uh, that's that's <laughs> wild stuff, man. College football is is. Is insane. Uh, all right, let's get to some NFL chatter here real quick. Um, what was the most surprising result, you think, from this wild card weekend? Uh, you really only had, like, one good game, and that was the Lions and the Rams. Everything else was pretty lopsided, more or less drama-free. Uh, still some surprises, though, because of just how lopsided some of those games were. Uh, the Cowboys, again in disarray, again can't uh Figure it out in the postseason. Uh, you had the, I mean, the Packers. I'm not ready for Green Bay to be super good again. I'm just <laughs> not ready. I'm just not ready. Like they have made all of the greatest quarterbacking uh, decisions and uh, succession decisions, like uh, as a franchise. I'm just, I'm just not ready for it yet. As, uh, as a Lions fan in the NFC North, um, you had the Eagles. This, mm-hmm. this has been a precipitous fall for what was the preseason favorite to win the Super Bowl in the eyes of most. Um, what was the, maybe the biggest surprise, though, if you had to pick? one of wildcard weekend
1: um I think uh if I had to pick one I think it would be the Eagles just because um they did have um, a lot of success last year and brought a lot of those pieces back um and to lose to a team like the Buccaneers that you know just snuck in at you know nine and eight um yeah you kind of do wonder what's going on over there and what it's going to look like next year I know there's some people already pining for um, Nick Sirianni to get fired which is uh Kind of ridiculous, but also kind of on brand with, um, you know, social media these yeah. days. And Philly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I think that would be my biggest surprise, um, just heading into the year. Um, well, I mean, and, and this year as well, they were 9-1. and one. They look like they, you know, could have been the top seed heading into that game against San Francisco a few weeks back. Um, yeah, just very surprised and uh, very disappointed. Um, as someone who is not even an Eagles fan, but just that... You know, that's the type of performance that they would put out um, with the, everything on the line. It,
0: it seems like, uh, you know, winning, what, uh, or losing, what, six of their last seven games, mm-hmm. uh, it, it seems like uh, Philadelphia is a, an example of a coach losing the locker room, right? I mean, that that's sort of the sense you get. There was a lot of reported sort of infighting and whether or not you want to uh, hang that on Jalen Hurts or hang that on A.J. Brown, who was unavailable in this game. Like, you, you know, those, those that's all speculation, but there has been some murmuring that uh, there was some dissension there in the locker room and you wonder if Sirianni uh, kind of lost them, right? And, and maybe turned them off with some of the decisions that he made. He changed the defensive play calling to Matt Patricia of all people <laughs> yeah. in the last several weeks of the season and a really late stage to make that kind of change. And we saw Buffalo make changes on the offensive side mid season, uh, but this was like late in the year and, and it seemed like the defense and the team overall didn't necessarily respond uh, positively There and so, yeah, I think some of it is on Sirianni. Obviously, losing your two coordinators going into the season had an impact, Mm -hmm. uh, but they still started 10 and 1. Like, this was still a 10 Mm. and 1 team at one point, and then it just all collapsed.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think a big moment from yesterday's game that was very telling was when um, they were down uh, seven in the second quarter. Um, During the extra point, um, there's a penalty on Tampa. Uh, so they get to go for it um, from the one instead of the two. So they decided to do the tush push, um, which doesn't really make that much sense points-wise because you'd go down six if you just kick the extra point. But they tried to get a little cute, tried to do the tush push, and they got stuffed. Yeah. And then that um, later in the game, that really bit them because they had a safety. So that takes a, or that adds two more points to Tampa's lead. And then at the end, all these points just accumulated and uh, just were an ugly result. So... Yeah, that right there was just very ugly.
0: Yeah, I, I would I would agree with you. I think the Eagles, even though they were sliding already and trending in that direction, it still was a surprise to me. Uh, they had what I thought was the uh, more uh, beneficial matchup uh, you would have taken playing on the road in Tampa over playing <laughs> literally any other team in the NFC uh, going into the postseason, in my opinion. And so that was a little bit more of a surprise. Uh, the Cowboys, uh, also a surprise just by how lopsided it was <laughs> and how good Green Bay looked. But uh, yeah. man... Like, like this, this Cowboy thing. Uh, yeah. So, did you see that stat where the Green Bay Packers have uh, as many wins in the playoffs in ATT Stadium as the Cowboys? Oh, wow. Like since, uh, I have the stat over here. Hold on. Let me Six check. 6 0 oh or something. Since, right? since 2009, yeah. the Packers have as many playoff wins at AT&T Stadium as the Cowboys. Uh, three. Three oh, wow. for the Packers, three for the Cowboys. Uh, that's kind of wild, man. That yeah. is that is crazy. So, you know, that was a surprise for sure. Um, wasn't too surprised at the result of the Chiefs-Dolphins. Um, Miami looked like they didn't really want any part of playing in that, like, you know, freezing sub-zero uh, type of, of condition. And I don't blame them, man. Uh, I wouldn't have been able to survive uh, even, you know, you know being uh, anywhere near that stadium, let alone trying to play a football game. Uh, it just Look like they never really, uh, you know, had had a chance. They were injured, obviously, as well in a lot of spots. Uh, but it brings up a really interesting question as to what you do with regard to Tuatonga Viloa here. Going forward, he's I think one of his uh, greatest attributes here this season was the fact that, yeah, they looked explosive at times. Uh, you can question some of his play in, in games against you know higher-quality teams, but he played all the games. And, mm-hmm. you know, in a year where quarterbacks were dropping like flies, and the biggest question for Tua going into the year was, like, should he even still be playing football with the concussion mm-hmm. history? Like, should he consider retirement? And then he plays the full season. So now they have a decision to make. Uh, pay the man, and how much— to pay the man what do you think
1: yeah for sure um, you know looking at it at, from the big picture I would call Tua tonga 2023 season a success because like you said um, there were questions of um, how sustainable his career was right um, after he had multiple concussions last year he had the hip injury at Alabama and so for him to play all 17 games this year plus the playoff game uh, to lead the league in passing um, I think that was a, a big accomplishment for him Um, At the same time, uh, so last season's goal for him was, um, you know, learning some jujitsu, learning how to fall (laughs) properly. Um, But I think at times um, there were times where, you know, he would kind of punt on a play, right, like when he had pressure. He'd either throw it away. Uh, There was a play against Buffalo where – or not Buffalo, um, against Baltimore where he slid on fourth down.
0: Yeah, Um, yeah.
1: But I think the game was out of hand at that point. But um, I think the goal for him this season, this offseason, would be – um, learning how to extend plays, um, which he was very good at at St. Louis and at Alabama. But just, um, you know, uh, building your body back up to where you're able to do that again. Um, but I would say I think he he still is the guy for them um, in Miami at quarterback. When you look at the landscape, um, where they are pick-wise, who else is available as a free agent, um, I don't really think there is a guy better than Tua Tagovailoa who's learned this offense for two years already under Mike McDaniel, who has the rapport and relationship with his receivers, it would just be really hard to start all over again. And for a guy like Tua, um, who is a great game manager, and I think that's a pejorative sometimes, the term game manager, but for him, when he has those weapons like that and he's able to distribute it to them, um, I think he's doing all you're asking of him. So it's just very complicated. I think um, you know it's easy when they um, you know, lose by three touchdowns against the Chiefs to criticize yeah. him. But when you look at the big picture, um, I'm still optimistic about it, and I would give him a contract—not like a seven-year deal, but yeah, maybe he might like not a, get like
0: Mahomes' money, yeah, but, yeah. but yeah, they have to, right? They yeah. have to pay him, and they're they are reportedly in uh, contract uh, conversations with him uh, at the moment. So so we'll see. I mean, you gotta pay him a chunk of change. He's gonna be a, a even a much more uh, wealthy and, and rich man here in the <laughs> not too distant future. But yeah, I don't know if you go astronomically high, like has been the the pattern, right? Where it's like whatever quarterback that is is deemed the franchise quarterback that's uh, most recent to the contract negotiation table gets the highest paid contract and or at least you know uh, maybe outside of of anybody named Mahomes Uh, I'm not sure if you're going to see that level of of astronomical uh, money here but it'll be big 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 cash for sure he's getting his bag uh, there's no doubt about it all right he wears number one on his jersey so that's how we're going to do this super simple get to your phone immediately because collar number one gets the tickets for Rainbow Wahine basketball Thursday against Long Beach State. 808-296-1420 is the number. Liz is waiting, but you got to get in quick. Caller number one gets free tickets to check out uh, Laura Beeman and this squad, uh, once again contending for Big West Conference Supremacy. So uh, 808-296-1420 is the number. Wanted to remind everybody that Kahala not only makes Aloha shirts, but uh, they make pretty fantastic performance polos as well. They cool you down. They keep you comfortable on or off the golf course. Pick one up for yourself at one of Kahala's six stores or at kahala.com. We'll be back. All right, congrats to Pedro in Kaneohe uh, who got the tickets. First caller in. That's right, you have to be quick, quick trigger on the phones. Uh, And he got in, so uh, congratulations. You got the two tickets for Rainbow Wahine Basketball Thursday against Long Beach State. Kanoa Lehi, Christian Shimabuku here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu. It's time now for our best and our worst. So, uh, Christian, I'll let you go first. What is your best?
1: Yeah, my best is um, University of Hawaii men's volleyball freshman (laughs) um, opposite Louis Sakonoko, um, who had uh, nine aces against Emmanuel last Friday. Um, tying a program record um, set by Costas Teoharidis. Uh, yeah, UH just reloads. Um, you can find players from anywhere in the globe, literally, um, to step in and uh, be the next star. Dude, dude, I mean, he's just a freshman. <laughs> he was on
0: campus for like you know two weeks, <laughs> yeah. and here he is now. He's he's like uh, an absolute star, it seems already uh, in the blink of an eye. And yeah, what's interesting to me is is Charlie Wade and the way he thinks the game, right, where, you know, he's looking at it he says, hey, look, we're not as experienced and as well-roundedly talented as we were last year, uh, and so maybe just playing straight up against teams like Long Beach or UCLA or UC Irvine, uh, you know, the list goes on, uh, might be a little more difficult for us here, but what we can do is we can align our rotation with dudes that serve 70-mile-an-hour bombs from the service line, and if they get it in, uh, probably, I mean, you would have to, and this is just arbitrary math here, but you would have to uh, suggest that if Louis Akano just gets a serve in. you would maybe put, what, like an 80% chance on it that Hawaii will win that point. Not that it's going to be an ace, but they'll be out of system and mm-hmm. Hawaii can, you know, maybe get the advantage in transition. But, like, if he just serves it in, it increases your chance of winning that point by, like, you know, ex, like an exponential level. So uh, I think Charlie's thinking, like, we're not going to necessarily win straight up. We're going to win from the service line. And uh, I think it's kind of brilliant, kind of uh, kind of incredible uh, and genius, the way he's uh, thinking about it. All right, uh, my best. Um, I am going to to go with, of course, my Detroit Lions. They won the playoff game for the first time in 32 years. Uh, They now have a home matchup with Tampa Bay. Um, I'm not going to do the doomsday thing. I think they have a chance. They could absolutely lose that game to Baker Mayfield, but uh, I'll take that matchup. Lions definitely have a chance to possibly advance out of that game. So, yeah, Honolulu Blue, baby. Uh, It's been a minute, and and, and that feels really good. All right, what's your worst?
1: Yeah, my worst. um, This is an annual travesty, but um, for the last time, Um, Better Call Saul did not win any Emmys. They set the record uh, for 53... times being nominated for an Emmy without getting it. Oh, man. Yeah.
0: And that's a good show. Anybody Great show. that does know, spin-off yeah. of Breaking Bad. <laughs> uh, and actually, I think in some ways better than Breaking Bad, personally. Mm-hmm. But yeah, love that show. That's that's wild, man. That's uh, all of those nominations and no victories. Alright, my worst is gonna be uh, another Tonga Vailoa. Taulia Tonga Vailoa reportedly uh, not getting uh, his waiver for an extra year of eligibility. Uh, and so his consolation prize is entering the NFL draft, uh, and he will have an opportunity to play at the professional level. But he's probably gonna miss out on some cash cash, like straight up, right? Isn't that weird to say? But uh, his likelihood of transferring to Miami uh, would have probably brought in some some dollars here. And so now he's going to have to earn his way onto a roster to make some money. But, uh, you know, he's a talented dude. He's a Tonga Vailoa. So uh, odds are in his favor, I would imagine. All right. Hey, thanks a lot, Christian. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow.